to the Life Itself Hubcast. This is your pulse on the beat of ideas, people, and stories coming from the Life Itself community in Berlin. The Life Itself Berlin Hub is an intentional community exploring the question, what does it mean in today's world to be weller and wiser? I'm your host, Sen Jan. I'm a storyteller and user experience researcher and a resident here at the community. I want to share the stories and learnings from the incredible happenings at the Hub with our Berlin community and beyond. Episode 3. Can we change the world without changing ourselves? This episode features two sustainability heroes who learned something profound about the nature of humanity at the Global Goals Jam Hackathon from September 17th to 19th in Berlin. This interview is with systems innovation coach Ina Chilik and the founder of climate action community Lauren Uba. Welcome to the Hubcast. This is September 20th, and we have just come out of a two and a half day SDG hackathon, aka Global Goals Jams. And we're here with Ina Chilik and Lauren Uba and me, Senjan, at The Hub. And today we're going to talk about what happened this weekend at the Global Goals Jam. And for those of you who are not aware what that is, the UN has set forth 17 sustainable development goals to reach by the year 2030. And these are goals that address a variety of topics, everything from food sustainability to regenerative cities and the Global Goals Jam addressed uh, a couple of these topics. Why don't we start by having a little explanation of how the Global Goals Jam was structured? What were the intentions of that? Thank you, Sen. I can start with that. Yes, so Global Goals Jam is an event that has been happening for the past few years. I think this year it was the fourth edition. And it's been quite an interesting experience in many ways, because in pre- it was mainly focused on more action-oriented approach and really focusing on creating prototypes, an actionable prototype that would help reach those 17 sustainable development goals that you have just talked about. And this year it was slightly different. Here the organizers embraced systems innovation approach to it and changed slightly the formats. What was different? In a lot of cases, when we face a problem, we jump into the solution straight away. Mm-hmm. We start thinking, um, okay, what can be done? What is the main cause of it? And how do we fix it? And that's basically the basis of a lot of hackathons that have been conducted throughout the time. So we, we have a problem, how we can solve it. The difference with um, this year's Global Goals Jam was that instead of jumping straight away into the solutions, created spaciousness to go deeper into understanding what actually the problems are. Mm-hmm. What are the different linkages and interconnection between different stakeholders in the systems that we're part of and we were exploring? What is emerging in terms of some of the causes of those problems on a deeper level as well, not just on the level of symptoms or events, but going deeper into uh, structures and patterns and also mental models that are arising. Yeah, I think that was the key difference. So taking a lot of time to understand the problem field Mm -hmm. and what produces that problem, not only from uh, a perspective of 
A to B rationality, linearity, but taking the time to really explore around and look all around what are the factors that create a problem. And I imagine identifying some sources that previously were unidentified. Yeah, exactly. Though the key point here was to make sure that we're not projecting our own uh, limiting beliefs into co-creation of future potential solution Mm -hmm. and being aware of our own biases before we start drafting or plotting the desirable future that we all want to live in. Lauren, can you share a bit about how the Global Goals Gem was organized? I had no idea, to be honest, what it was going to be like. And I had this idea, you go and you're drinking coffee all day and you're running around like a tech startup guy and you have a data engineer on your team and you're trying to solve some problem and then you pitch it and there are investors and you have to really make a good pitch. That's definitely my vision of the pack of them. Yeah. That's why I haven't really taken part in one because I, I'm like, I don't think that's the scene for me. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit, yes, like that, but it was way less competitive in the end. We had some really nice conversations that would just emerge over having coffee together and talking about what you did over the weekend or something like that and realizing that so many experiences are shared. Talking about power, for example, and reading Brene Brown and like, oh yeah, I know that one. And and then realizing that we all have a shared understanding of a, a lot of things and being able to share those experiences over the cup of coffee over the course of the weekend. Also enabled, we're all in this together kind of feeling. So we had regenerative cities, beyond human-centered design, sustainable food systems, and climate justice. So I was one of two teams working in sustainable food systems, and it didn't really matter which team I was on because I realized that so many of the, the problems and the need for the systemic change It's all interlinked. Climate justice is related to food systems and zero hunger as an STG goal and reducing inequalities. And there's so much overlap between all of these different themes and topics. And when you like scratch beyond the surface, we started to realize how much humanness underlies these fundamental big yeah, climate change, carbon emissions. It's like the SDG goals themselves are manifestations of this. They're different facets of one organism, mm. one like different expressions of something that's important for the entirety of this organism. And maybe to add a few more things around the process, I had a privilege to be part of the team of organizers and be a coach on one of the teams. I really like the structure that was proposed. So. We started day one with, in general, diving a little bit deeper into what are sustainable development goals and creating this personal connection for the participants with specific SDGs and in the context also of the challenges of each of the themes that groups, different groups were exploring. And then in day two, we started with a systems mapping. We're understanding, okay, what are those big themes and systems that we're exploring, what are different actors within them, how can how the interconnections with, between them work, and diving a little bit deeper, a really fascinating and simple tool of iceberg model, uh, diving deeper into what are the underlying causes of these problems that we're facing. 
So by the end of day two, actually, it was quite interesting and really heavy and challenging because the whole day we spent in the exploration of why this problems appear in the first place and what are some of the different facets and ways of how these challenges appear mm-hmm. on, a, on a level of events and systems. And also inviting participants to reflect personally on how other, their own mental models correlate to uh, what they have observed around the systems that they have um, explored mm-hmm. together with the group. So you're talking about understanding the source of the problems. And that's what Mm -hmm. we're exploring with systems thinking and systems innovation to really fully understand as full as possible where a problem comes from. Were there any specific insights that you came to that helped the understanding of why certain problems exist? Mm -hmm. Just uh, an example or two. Yeah. So Ina mentioned the iceberg model, which is the tip of the iceberg is the event. And then you look at kind of patterns and trends and then deeper into the mental models that exist that are leading to the, those patterns and trends and events that you see. And so I was in the food systems team and we were looking, okay, the food system is pretty messed up. We have biodiversity loss. We have all of these external events. We separated food systems into, what was it? Industry, consumers, regulatory bodies, and soil. So I was doing the soil one. And from the perspective of the soil, the events that you see are soil infertility and degradation and erosion, biodiversity loss, and those kinds of things. And that would be the tip of the iceberg. That's that's the tip of the iceberg. That's what we look at and we say that is clearly a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's something that can be identified. It's a fact. And then we go and investigate why those facts or events exist. Exactly. And if we had just looked at soil infertility or something, for example, and stop there, then you could have made a prototype that's like, we are going to adopt an app that tests your soil quality or something like that. And tells you that you have soil infertility. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And you can can do something about it. The levels of severity of your soil infertility. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we have artificial intelligence to read your crops or something. And you can spend years of your life going and treating just the symptoms. But if you look at, okay, why do we have soil infertility? Then you look at monocropping and monoculture and the trends of farming subsidies and, and all of these things. And if you look at the mental models of why do we need monoculture and all of these things, and it's the idea of this infinite growth. And you look at, what else did we have in there? We talked a lot about Man versus nature versus man as part of nature. Mm -hmm. So thinking that like we have access to unlimited soil and unlimited bounty that comes from the soil. And therefore we deserve to harvest into our advantage. So now we're descending past the tip and understanding and looking beyond the surface at Mm -hmm. where some of the things that produce the tip of Mm -hmm. the iceberg. Okay. And then you're thinking about, oh, maybe this is... uh, God is in heaven, man is on earth, the separation and the earth exists for man. Some of these mental models that are emerging. And then if you think about monoculture and monopolies, this idea of competition, and we need competition in order to survive. And underlying that is this paradigm of scarcity. And so from 
soil degradation, you go all the way down, descending through the underworld into scarcity as a mindset, competition as a mindset, and these kinds of things. And it was, this happened on Saturday when we're going through this, the sticky space. And our team had so much energy and we were like, and the patriarchy and colonialism is related and capitalism. And those are some of the structures and trends. But if you take that deeper layer and you look at the mental models, what props up patriarchy and colonialism and capitalism is this idea of scarcity that there's not enough to go around. So someone has to take it from another person and dominate them. And general fear, Mm -hmm. like fear of not being enough, not having enough. The the whole idea that in order to be a valuable member of the society, we have to prove with our actions what we do. And then power games, identity, manipulation, and everything that comes as a supporting justified tools in order to get to the state of I need to get something for myself and I don't care what happens to the world around me mm-hmm. uh, with my actions and and I carry no responsibility on how my actions or inactions are affecting the world around me. Mm-hmm. Going from the tip of the icebergs of each of the topics that the groups worked on and as you were descending down the iceberg and identifying some of the underlying causes and mental models and belief systems. What did you notice between the different groups? This is really beautiful. Scarcity came up in two out of the three groups. Fear of change came up in one of the groups. There's this cohesion that somehow emerged and understanding that it's the human in the system that leads to the events and the larger system dynamics. And it's all so human. Yeah, even in group which was exploring beyond human design, what they recognized is that yeah, in a lot of cases, this idea of supremacy and our intelligence of, of humans being at the pinnacle of evolution on this planet created this discrepancy and separation between mm. ourselves separation between ourselves and nature and separation, the inner separation between who we are internally and how we show up in this world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What it sounds like is we have created all the problems that we are living right now. <laughs> As part of the system. Yes. Yeah. And, but also came this recognition that system is not something external, this huge big monster that we're trying to fight and change, but it actually starts within ourselves. And again, as I mentioned, a lot of mental models that we carry within are just accelerating the effect mm-hmm. that we see and all those negative side effects that, that we uh, see in the society and economic system and political system, food system, the way we structure our cities and like so on and so forth. What does that mean? How, if we can identify that the problems that we're living originate in large part from the way that human beings have believed a certain narrative or uh, have lived a certain mental model for a long time, like, for example, colonialism and patriarchy and the rest. What is the shift that needs to happen right now? So that's a good question. I love this question. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, maybe the thing that they came up really strongly and it was such a beautiful experience for me to experience as a facilitator and holder of space and what participants came up with, this notion of separation and trying to be someone we're not pretending that we are more mature, more intelligent, richer, more beautiful, more smart, and all of those attributes that society is telling us that we have to be the successful human beings. And recognition that mask that we put on is actually creating those problems in the first place. So I think that we had a beautiful exercise that was guided by one of the coaches where we literally drew the mask, individual mask, and then we just each other, and then we just had this a little bit of a liberation feeling of understanding of beyond every mask, it's human being up to us to decide how do we show up on a daily basis? How do we relate to other people? How do we relate to environment around us? And the change that we actually need in the system starts, starts, starts there, starts with us. And the thing about the mask and crumpling up and throwing it to each other, on the back of the, ma- oh, on the front of the mask, we wrote attributes that we want the world to see, like successful and kind and loving. And on the back, we were all to write down things that we don't want anyone to see. The insecurity, fear of not being enough, tired and lazy and unproductive and depressed. And then after throwing the snowballs to each other and at each other, we picked up random ones and read out what was on the back and what was on the front. You can see how much of the shared human experience, how so much on the front side of the mask, we have the same desire to show. And on the back side, we're all hiding the same insecurities and doubts. And that was very powerful activity because from there you realize that if they're, we're all going through this experience together, your original question is about like, okay, so what now? This understanding that we are all living this shared human experience. What can happen if we come to each other with that vulnerability in the first place? And like recognizing you're not just a super cool data scientist. You also have your insecurities and your vulnerabilities. And so do I. Yeah. It's easy to say. And then someone from the UN environmental program showed up as one of the people we were quote unquote pitching to. And now as I'm saying this, I'm like, oh, I was so nervous. I didn't want to talk to her. I didn't want to make a fool out of myself. I didn't want to ask the wrong question. But what would have happened if I had used that opportunity to connect at this more deeper human level and see what emerges? And now as I'm saying this out loud, I'm like challenging myself. Okay, no matter who on the street, is it possible to access that shared humanity Instead of, I need everyone to think that I'm perfect. I need everyone to think that I'm an eloquent speaker and can pitch well and I'm good at marketing and all of these little things because we don't need any more of that. What happens when we take off the masks and we share and we're able to collaborate and let the true human brilliance be seen? 
and the true human darkness be seen and come from there instead of, I have all the answers. I'm an expert. I'm going to make the microbial sensors that will save humanity. It sounds like the insight is that humanity and all the people who make up humanity need to, need to is like a, a prescriptive term, but there's an aspect of changing the way that we perceive ourselves, mm. the way that we want to perceive ourselves, mm-hmm. and maybe understanding where does that want come from? Why do we have a want to be seen in a certain way? And it's interesting because to want to be perceived in a certain way is having the idea of another person's view of you in their head, mm. which is already a connection, but it's an imagined connection. And what you're talking about, Lauren, is in breaking the illusion of that imagined perception of myself in another person's mind and actually connecting to what is really there rather than the image of what's there. Mm. Exactly. And maybe what I can add to this is that there was this shift of understanding, specifically about our own identities, that yes, we are separate human beings. Yes, we're very unique in our own experience and how we live our lives. We have our own traits of personalities. Yet what is absolutely undeniable is that on a deeper level, we go through very similar experiences. We are connected through the emotional way we experience this life. And those deeper connections are actually so strong and so powerful that we shift this perception of oh, we're graduating together and you become my competitor mm-hmm. and, and I have to show and prove to society that I'm better than you mm-hmm. because this is how I can be successful in our economic model in the way we have created the structures for ourselves. If we shift this narrative to it's not about who is better it's not about who's more successful, more beautiful, more smart, more intelligent, and, and et cetera. It's about what we can co-create together and what are those common goals that we take on and how do we you know, work together to solve those problems together because no matter how smart I am, there's always going to be somebody smarter. No matter how uh, knowledgeable I am in sustainability, there's always going to be somebody better at goods. And it's not about, yes, it is about this drive to grow individually, but it's also applying that grow in the context that we're part of, local communities, in our local environment, cities, families, and workplaces, and et cetera, and elevating the, what we can do together rather than what I can create on my own. Yes, yes. And how does that relate to how you went through the process during the Global Goals Jam and where you finished the process. I'll say a little bit about the team that we worked on. We worked on a project about mushrooms. It's a startup that is making non-animal protein. They use mushroom cells, basically, and they ferment it, and they're making a healthier, zero-waste protein that we can eat as a meat replacement. We're not as a meat replacement necessarily, because you can have a conversation about whether you want the language about replacing something or in addition to, but it's a really good, healthy source of protein. So as it happened, myself and one of the other participants are really into mushrooms and had a lot of information about mycelium and had to 
random technical knowledge that you might potentially need when working with a mushroom startup. And then there are two other people who didn't have any experience with mushrooms. One was doing policy and one was an industrial designer. And we also had neurodiversity in the team, dyslexia, attention deficit, and all kinds of like different little features of the team. And in another situation, that diversity could have been seen as not good. We want everyone on the team to have experience in mushroom science. And we need a project manager, a data person, and na 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 But with the diversity that we had, the different experiences that we had, the different selves, the different like personal attributes, we worked beautifully together. There's a seamless process that we were able to go through, shared understanding. And it, at the end, it became like, I would say something and then realize, wait, I didn't say that. Someone else did. You said it at the same time as me, or I was thinking that in my head and you took the words right out of my mouth. How many times that happened? And I think it's because we were able to really go into the human aspect and dive into the shared understanding, the shared mental model, looking at making explicit the gender inequality. And I say that the first day we were Persephone going into the underworld together. So the story of Persephone is half of the year, the daughter of the goddess of the harvest goes to the underworld and lives with Hades. And then in the spring and summer, fall, whatever, she comes back up and there's harvests and yay, it's beautiful in the world. But going through that shared experience of understanding the mental models and the paradigms that lead to all of these systems of oppression that we as women of color and not have gone through enable, yeah, like the, the vulnerability. And then we could really merge together as some kind of colonial organism working on this team together and each person had their different role and we could bounce ideas off of each other so fluidly and i think it's because we went through this process the systems innovation process where you're stuck in the underworld for a while before you get to the solutions i know that was very powerful if you liked this podcast you might enjoy my other podcast beyond asian these are stories from third culture Asians navigating the complexity of identity, culture, and belonging in a global landscape. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts or on our website, beyondasian.com. What was the process like for you as the coach? It was a fantastic experience. Yeah, I facilitate a lot. Specifically, the work that I do with EIT Climate Kick is really focused on D6 systems innovation on a large scale and yeah, leading those long-term projects of change and allowing yeah, cities, municipalities, regions to transform and to see how it is applied on a smaller scale with this great team of four young, very passionate, very knowledgeable, very dedicated young women. Yeah, I, I really don't have enough words to share <laughs> my joy to guide them through that process and notice their struggles and notice the skepticism and notice all the challenging aspects of the work together coming up and also individual reflections. 
and also connecting, as Lauren mentioned, connecting on a deeper level as human beings. And then from that connection, supporting into, okay, so what are we going to do about it? What is possible when we are aligned, when the team operating as one human organism, is one organism, is like, yeah, I guess there were so many interconnections with mushrooms and how mycelium <laughs> network works and all those things. Yeah, so I, I think the, the be- most beautiful part for me, I think, was definitely day three when I just, basically, I just presented a couple of exercises for the team and the second part of the day, when they had to work on a specific prototype and creating the presentation to show to the guests another participant, I was literally kicked out of the room. <laughs> and somebody said, Ina, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. You had enabled your participants. Yeah. And I didn't have to contribute with my knowledge or telling people what to do because creating this field for collaboration was done and then I was just there just sitting and just looking of how those that soil that I enabled to nurture that how the sprouts would come out and the beautiful flowers would show up and it was yeah it was fantastic and very reaffirming and reassuring experience to understand that again what can one person do what can I as a facilitator and systems innovator do on my own the best leverage point that I can use in my work and in the way I show up in the world is exactly that, to create those spaces where it is possible to enable that collaboration on a deeper level where things that I would not never think of myself would emerge. And there is so much passion and agency about, yes, we stand for it. We would mm. definitely want to do it. And how can we enable more of those kind of interactions in the society? That's the question that I hold for myself now. Coming to the end of the two and a half days that you spend working with like-minded or not like-minded people, coaching participants from the beginning through this journey into the underworld, coming back into the overworld and going through this really, this process of deep rooted connection in a way that you might not have expected. What would be one thing for both of you to take away for yourselves and one thing that you would like to offer to anyone who's listening about transforming the, the nature of yourself, of humanity? It's a big question. <laughs> Let's start with something that you're taking for yourself about changing your own humanity. I'm so inspired. Often I feel as someone who thinks they know at least a little bit about the climate or sustainability or urban planning or whatever it is, whatever thing. I feel like I have to do it alone. And so often I've realized again and again, I remember there are so many people who want to help and to make this transformation. One of the coaches was saying to me how we're undergoing this great awakening. People are more and more connecting to their purpose. They're understanding that we're the same. We look different and we have different voices that come out of our mouths, but so much is shared. The shared humanity and shared desire to make something better in the world and shared passion and 
shared fears, shared anxieties, shared, I'm not good enough. I want to do it, but I can't because I'm not good enough. Like all of these fears, the darkness and the light are shared. And what happens if we just admit that to each other and to ourselves and throw the snowball masks at each other and turn it into a game, make it light, come to this common understanding that no matter what, you're not alone. Oh, what can I add to that? Maybe, yeah, two key points that I'm taking away from yourself. First, no matter how amazing technology is, the human interaction being in the same room and the mm. same space really enables magic to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's been, yeah, and a lot of all those conversations that happen in between, actually, I noticed that's like some of the sharings, for example, that we had during the lunch break or during the coffee breaks with participants from other groups, how they also helped shape our own visioning and also helped shape other people's understanding of the processes that they went through. That is one. And the second one is, I am exactly where I need to be. (laughs) And this fear of, am I doing enough? We're living in such challenging times of human history. We have so many big wicked challenges that we face as humankind, including climate change, social injustice, political polarization of of societies. It's hard, it's big, it's like messy. And of course, it's easy to fall into despair of what can I do as one human being against all those massive and big problems. But as an example that has been shared several times throughout the last Two and a half days, we'll try to sleep with a mosquito in the same room. And this is how you can make this link and understanding that no matter how small you are, you can make a difference. And to make the difference, to accelerate that, is the best way is to connect with other humans being and see what is common and what we can use in order to, yes, try to try for something different. I feel like that already covers the second question. How can people get involved? How can people start doing things that they feel they're not good enough yet to do, or they're too small to do, or they don't know how to find other people to do them with? That's a really good question. And I think it's a really good question right now at this point in entering winter. We know what happened last winter, lack of community spaces, people being lonely not knowing how to connect and engage. I think no matter what community you find, first of all, find a community, find some people who you feel safe enough with to explore these things with, whether it's a book club or your family Zoom call or the lady at the grocery store you see every week and never really want to talk to or you're afraid to talk to or something like that. Find, find those people And then find the power within yourself to be vulnerable and to say what you mean. I think this is a really big shift that I feel and I see, and I just hope that more and more people can come with that. I am here as I am. 
behind the mask. Yeah, maybe to add what Lauren has mentioned is there's actually so much going on. There's so many fantastic communities. Like at the same time when we had Global Goals Jam, there was also an event organized by Donut Berlin and Zero Waste Berlin. And there was also an event organized by Green Tech Alliance. Literally so many things happening at the same time. Yeah, I like to add one more thing is just to Think about what drives you, what challenges and problems are important for you. Where would you want to contribute your effort and time? And we have a fantastic tool. We like in our smartphones and computers, we can just look up who are other communities and people who who are interested in similar issues and just reach out. No matter how knowledgeable or if, if you have lots of doubts about yourself, there's, don't let it be a barrier for you to reach out. Take the next smallest step possible, whatever that might look like. Mm-hmm. Whether it's looking up a group on Facebook or looking up meetup or sending a message to a friend. Or just saying, hey, this is the question that is bothering me right now. Who would like to talk with me about that? We also forget that sometimes there's a lot of energy and power in creating those spaces and opening the spaces. <laughs> and then who knows what's going to come up to <laughs> Hey, this is me. This is what I'm curious and doing. Do you want to talk about it? Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nina and Lauren. Looking forward to hearing more about the Global Goals Jams projects. Uh, you can find more about this if you look up Global Goals Jams Berlin 2021. You will find all of the projects there. Thank you, Sen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really important, I think, to share this experience because it doesn't deserve to end in that room. It was very powerful. Yeah, and maybe just a quick note of thank you and huge gratitude. Huge thank yous. To Nadim and Kurt and all those incredible people who made this event happen. It's been fantastic journey. I feel like the outcomes of it will keep unraveling in the days to come, weeks to come, maybe even years to come. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to this channel so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Follow the happenings at the Life Itself Berlin Hub on Facebook and Instagram with Life Itself Berlin. I hope you're leaving today with a new idea or story that'll make you see the world a little differently.